Welcome to Press the Issue, a podcast for Master WP, your source for industry insights for WordPress professionals. Get show notes, transcripts, and more information about the show at masterwp.com slash press the issue. Press the Issue by Master WP is sponsored by LearnDash. Your expertise makes you money doing what you do. Now let it make you money teaching what you do. To create a course with LearnDash, visit learndash.com. Our mission at Master WP is to bring new voices into WordPress and tech every day. The new Master WP workshop series does just that. Our new live and recorded workshops on everything from code to design to business turn WordPress fans into WordPress experts. Find the workshop for you at workshops.masterwp.com. Use the code PODCAST10 for a 10% discount. The pandemic ushered in a new era of remote work, and there was a huge disparity in how different companies adapted to the change. In this episode, Rob and Topher dive into their experience with all types of in-person, hybrid, and remote office settings. They discuss the best strategies for managing remote teams, how the sudden shift to remote work has affected where we live and how cities operate, and whether we should push for an all-remote future. Hey, Rob. Hey, Topher. How's it going? It's going great. Today, we're going to talk about the future of remote work. And I have some really good questions for you to kick it right off with. Excellent. We have been doing remote work for a long time, so hopefully I'll have some good answers for you. Yeah, you know what? Let me ask you that. Um, I've been doing it for 12 years now, almost 13. How long have you been remote? So I started freelancing from a home office in like 2005. So um, it's been a long time. It's been basically my whole career. Uh, I had very few, you know, office type jobs early on. So I've always kind of by nature enjoyed the home office life. And, and I've even had chances to do the big office thing and chosen not to over the years uh, with like different business uh, partnerships and stuff like that. So I've always liked it. And uh, of course, you know, the world changed very rapidly a couple of years ago and, and work from home became a thing that everybody was doing, whether they were experienced or not, or whether they, uh, <laughs> whether they liked it or not. Yeah. All right. I did about 13 years at a desk in an office at some point in my career. Nice. So we all know COVID pushed many into remote work abruptly, and many people individually are finding it to be a better work style. They're like, this is better than being at the office. But I know some corporations are saying, now oh, we need to get everybody, get everybody back in the office. What would make a company choose that? Why would they choose not to keep their people remote if they already are because of COVID? There's some benefits, obviously, uh, to the company. And I think there's some drawbacks, especially if you are just not used to managing people who are not physically in front of you, right? So I think that's the majority of where CEOs and other leaders are saying, hey, you know, I, f I don't feel like we're as productive, like we got to get back to in-person. Like, I think what they're saying uh, in large part is I can't tell what you're doing and it's harder to manage this group of people because we're not in the same room together. For me, you know, I've always been operating and working that way. So it wasn't really a change. So I can't really, you know, right. I, I can kind of get in their heads and be like, yeah, that would be hard. But that was not 
a change for us. So in a way, the companies who are already remote actually ended up being light years ahead in terms of their management skills, because there is a very different management style and sort of set of behaviors and, and set of mi- and, and mindsets that you need to manage people who are not in the same room or even in the same city as you, right? Um, and then, of course, we have companies that manage remote workers who are all over the world in Asia and South America and Europe and in North America, right? So there's um, a lot of different skills and techniques for that. And I think, you know, when you hear like, I think I think the first people I heard saying it were kind of like the JP Morgan Wall Street folks who were like, we got to get back into the office and, you know, crush it with our uh, investment banking work, you know, and that has to be done right. in person. It reminds me of like the movies where everybody's in like a room and they're screaming on their phones and they're selling <laughs> stocks. And, you know, it's just like, like it's, it's kind of like a madhouse atmosphere. Right. Uh, and then you also yeah. hear it from, from Silicon Valley, Twitter and Elon Musk tried to bring people back. Then they kind of abandoned that idea. But, you know, they're certainly not the only ones who are doing that. And I think that they're, definitely has been a push to get workers back in the office uh, who are doing these sort of like, quote unquote, knowledge work, office work type jobs. And I think it's mostly um, a question of tradition and surveillance, right? That would be the two big things that I think are um, pushing people like they won't say that out loud. They'll say, oh, we're more productive in the office, but you ask them for data to support that. And that data is minimal, if non-existent, right? But I think, um, you know, the, the idea that a manager should know basically what you're doing or be able to look at you all the time and check on you, right, is is definitely a part of that. And I think that's an old school idea that, you know, obviously isn't necessary and isn't necessarily, isn't really even good for a lot of employees and a lot of managers, but that's how people are used to operating. So they're eager to get back to that. There's also challenges just around like geographical pay structures as well, which I think, you know, the companies are quietly struggling with. Oh, right. So this question of like, okay, if you're getting paid, you know, if if we're in San Francisco and I hire you, you're going to get paid an outsized salary because of the nature of the housing market and the cost of living in that particular city. So if you look at these companies that are based in, yeah, if, (laughs) if, if these companies are based in California, you know, they're often pegging pretty high salary uh, numbers because they are assuming that that employee needs to rent or buy a home in that area. They're going to be, you know, exposed to all, all these higher cost of living things. But, you know, like you said, you move to Boise, you move to Oklahoma, and all of a sudden you might have been getting paid, you know, $350,000 at Google. But, you know, maybe 50% of that was really a San Francisco location serving yeah. bonus, right? Or or um, yep. increase, right? So obviously the companies are struggling to figure out, you know, like it's hard to give somebody a pay decrease because when they move, like that's just not good for right. morale, right? But they're also yep. saying like, well, if we could hire people anywhere, like why are we paying exorbitant rates? Because, you know, based yes. on this peg to this particular location. Why do we even have an office in California, in San Francisco? <laughs> exactly. So obviously there's several ways you can go from there, but one of the ways you can go is, okay, everybody just has to show up in San Francisco, right? Um, and that's obviously not the only city, but but it's certainly the the biggest spot in the tech world where this is happening. But I think you could say the exact same thing about Wall Street and, and people living, you know, within commuting distance of, of Manhattan and stuff like that. One of my previous jobs was at a company called Big Commerce, and they were an everybody in the office kind of place. I was remote, but out of 800 employees, less than 1% were remote. It was really, really rare. And I would go to the office maybe quarterly and spend a week. And I saw, I experienced 
some people that actually thrive in the office environment. They really did well talking to people face-to-face, just get up, walk down the hall, ask them a question, go back to your desk, that sort of thing. And so I can see where there's room for not remote work. But then again, there are people like me. Well, okay, so then when COVID hit, they all split up, of course, everybody went home. Yeah. And now that it's over, some people are going back to the office, but certainly not all. Way more than 1% are staying at home now. Because for those people, it works better to stay home. Yeah. And I think it's also a different skill set, you know? Um, So the skill set you described of sort of managing by walking around is, um, you know, it's a, it it was actually innovative in like the 50s and 60s, right? So this idea of like, we should be a sort of community of employees, right? Uh, That's something that, you know, emerged in in Silicon Valley in like the Hewlett Packard days, uh, you know, uh, many decades ago. And, you know, that style is not incorrect, but it is a completely different skill set from, you know, what we do, which is managing a remote team. And, you know, there's different right. tools, there's different techniques and strategies. Like one of the things that I do is even, you know, with, uh, you know, 20 or so employees, like I do a lot of one-to-ones with every employee, right? And that is a component of a remote management strategy that I think works to get the best parts of the management by walking around system, right? Without requiring everybody to be in the same place. And and there's other stuff like that too. And like, we've even seen, you know, just being good at using Slack and other asynchronous tools is a skill set. And we'll often, you know, start working with a client or another organization and we'll be like, oh my gosh, like nobody here at this other organization knows what they're (laughs) doing with these tools. And, you know, you actually see people who get frustrated by asynchronous communication. So they haven't developed that skill set of communicating effectively via async yet, right? And and they're, you know, asking, hey, can we just hop on a quick call or whatever? And, you know, that's where you get friction between like a team that's all in on remote work and a team that's still learning. Yes. That being said, I think, you know, for me, the benefits outweigh the negatives by a lot. And I think, you know, the biggest benefits really flow to the people who don't want that like 60 plus hour per week work week structure, you know? So, you know, if you have young kids or if you just have a life that it does not include 60 to 80 hours of office time per week and, you know, two hour commutes back and forth into the city, like there's a hundred reasons that you might not want that lifestyle. And what remote work does is opens up the opportunity to achieve these higher value career goals or aspirations without necessarily having that requirement to do kind of like the brutal commute and the brutal hours in the office and spend time away from your loved ones, right? Or, you know, ignore your physical and mental health in exchange for more time in the office and you're sleeping under the desk and stuff, right? Like that's kind of like a very common archetype in like the the Wall Street and Silicon Valley lifestyles pre-COVID. I think that if you want to do that, like more power to you, but I never <laughs> wanted to do that regardless of my, you know, when I was 23 and, you know, single, I didn't want to do that. And now that I have a, a kid, I don't want to do that. And it's like, that was never my thing. So uh, I definitely cannot identify with that as like a badge of honor, but some people do think that is kind of a, you know, power move to to work in that in that way. So they're certainly welcome to do that. But I think the increased prevalence of remote work opens up more career opportunities for people who don't want to be 
what I would describe as like unnecessarily performatively intense workers, right? right. You want to do yep. you want to do good work, but you want to also have a life. And I think you know, working from home office is conducive to that. Um, being able to move to a different city that is a better fit for you, like it's not just cost of living; it's also like, hey, I actually want to live near my aging parents, and they yeah. can't live in San Francisco. It's it's insanely prohibitively expensive, right? But maybe I move to you know, the Denver suburbs, or I moved to uh, New Mexico or Phoenix or something. And now I have different and better family and social connections in those places. Yep. Um, so uh, obviously there's a lot to unpack there, but I would definitely say that I don't think that, I think the CEOs of the big, uh, you know, Wall Street and Silicon Valley companies probably were overly optimistic about getting people to come back because there's just a lot of benefits to not having to commute and not having to be physically like in a certain chair in a certain office building. Like yeah. even this morning, like we're recording this, it's, you know, 10 a.m. my time. And I just finished like dropping my son off at school and running errands for an extra hour this morning. That would have been impossible if we both had to meet up at a certain office in Denver right. instead of being in our, you know, respective home offices. I do have to say as a developer, some of the most powerful programming I've ever done was paired programming, sitting elbow to elbow with another developer and looking at the code together and there's a big draw there, but the people I know who do it full time also want to work remote. And so there's been a bunch of uh, progress made in the last few years for remote paired programming where you don't have to sit and share a screen. And that's really exciting. That feeds right into the part of the future of remote work. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be a huge thing when we, when we work that out. And that's a good example of like the kind of thing where, like that is clearly a solvable problem, right? Like, hey, I want to work with Topher to write some code, but we're in different cities. Like, obviously you can figure it out, right? Like using basically the same technology we're using to do this podcast right now, like you could do pair programming or, or something similar to it, right? So yeah, that's the kind of thing where I think early in the pandemic, you know, there were uh, a number of people who were just sort of like, they would throw their hands up and be like, oh, we're never going to be able to collaborate again. But I think yeah. that um, the... <laughs> I don't think that's panned out in reality. Like, I actually think that, you know, thinking about our team and the other remote companies that I know, like, we're doing a pretty good job. Like, we're still creating cool stuff. Like, I, I, I really don't think that the myth of, like, the spark of creativity that can only happen in a room together has actually been demonstrated to be real over the last few years. And obviously, like, I can't prove that, like, an invention that would have happened failed to happen, right? Like that's sort of a right. unfalsifiable statement, right? But I haven't noticed in the teams that we've worked with that are, you know, sort of, let's say, above average in terms of how good they are remote work. Like they seem to be enjoying life more and collaborating just as much as they would have in an office, in my view, at least. Yeah. All right. So my next question, we both know many companies that do remote only, and it's great for them and us. But is it so inherently better that we should work to change society to work that way, to make companies who are perfectly happy in office switch? Do we have any responsibility there? And the specific example I'm thinking of is if everybody worked from home, there'd be a ton less gas burned. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, that would yeah, be great I mean, for the environment. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I also think it would change the way that we build housing and the way that we choose where we live, right? Which could have positive yeah. or negative effects environmentally. But I think certainly a world with less 
uh, gas burning vehicles would be a better place in the long term. Um, I bought an electric car recently, so I'm like super pumped about never using gas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's, you know, different side effects, but I think it's overall a better thing. Right. So, yep. you know, I, I think it um, it certainly it, it would be like better in a, some obvious ways, but I'm also hesitant to say like that there's no weird externality that we're not thinking of that would offset that. Right. But I think, you know, for me, like I'm pretty hesitant to, you know, ever get into a, I'm pretty hesitant to try to externally force other companies to do something right from like a societal standpoint. But I think what we can do is say, let's like compete and see who gets better employees and, you know, it makes recruiting easier and, you know, it creates better stuff and, uh, you know, ultimately creates a stronger company. Right. And I think what we're going to see is the companies that have flexibility are going to attract, you know, for lack of a better word, better employees and, and better talent, right. Because of that, yeah. uh, you know, in, in most situations. And I think we're going to see them thrive in different ways than the companies that are quote unquote stuck in the workplace. And, you know, Obviously, that being said, like even the people who can work from office jobs are still a minority of the total working population. So there's still always going to be commuting. There's still always going to be movement of people within, you know, cities and suburbs and, and exurbs and everything. But, you know, I think, you know, particularly for the reasons that I mentioned about, you know, just like increasing flexibility also tends to increase diversity within an organization and allow people who might otherwise get burned out of a high intensity office workplace to stay and, and thrive and, and build great careers. So to me, that's really the biggest thing. I think, you know, the questions about housing and traffic and commuting, like there's so many different complexities to that, you know, like right. uh, I don't think remote work is necessarily like a cure-all for those things. However, I do think that it is a cure for a lot of the burnout problems and a lot of the sort of, um, I'm not sure exactly what the word is, but, it, you know, if you think about like who is get, you know, uh, there's this huge gap, right, where people start careers in their 20s and 30s. And then eventually there ends up being a tremendous gap between the earnings and career, career trajectory of the people who work 60 to 80 hours per week versus the people who work 30 to 40 hours per week. Right. And you see that in women who, you know, take time off after having children. You see that in people who just opt out of like the high intensity kind of Wall Street style work structure. And what you end up with is a, a divergence that is not simply like a linear arithmetic of like I work more hours and I get paid more. But it's in fact that people in many industries tend to progress to higher levels of the corporate ladder because they are workaholics, essentially. So if we can remove the workaholic advantage, I think that actually is better for everybody because ultimately like when you when you hear somebody talk about oh hey I slept at the office you know last last night and whatever like yeah they always try to frame it as like because I'm so dedicated and I'm like I want to teach people that you can really be devoted to the mission and I'm like what is your mission like you guys build an app where you can type things on the internet like this is not like a life you know altering <laughs> yeah. experience like you're not you're not like like it's one thing if you're like a medic on the front lines of some like really horrible situation where people genuinely are, are neither lives saved, but it's like there is no job where like you're moving stock money or you're moving code that like <laughs> is worth that in my view. So, 
you know, yeah. th- there's a lot of delusional statements and behavior around that. And I would love to see the sort of weird facade of workaholism just start to break down. And, you know, those folks who are in that weird world either are exposed for, you know, kind of just BSing the people around them, right? Or, you know, maybe they choose a, a different and more healthier lifestyle. I think that'd be better for for everybody. So that's more of a that's more of a lifestyle change and a culture change than it is a change to the physical world. But obviously those things all sort of interrelate with one another. Yeah. All right. One last question. Pull out the crystal ball. It looks like COVID launched remote work ahead, a big step. We were forced into it. Can you think of anything else, societal, financial, business, that would give it another shove? Can we advance without thousands of people dying? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll never have anything like that happen again. And I, I will also say that, you know, as you were as you were saying that, it also strikes me that, well, I think it worked really well for office work. Like, I also think it worked really poorly, like for school, for kids, for example. Like a lot of kids yeah. just weren't into it, you know, didn't get what they could have gotten had, you know, there had been no pandemic and they'd been in normal uh, school situations. So I think that's also an inherent flaw in the whole idea of like move the world to Zoom, right? That being said, I think where we've ended up is there's a bunch of companies now, Zoom being one of them uh, and and many others, uh, Slack being another that we talked about earlier. But, you know, there's dozens of these companies now that really are incentivized to make remote work better, right? So I think you know, I, I forget what the exact numbers were, but, you know, pre-pandemic, it was like in the low single digit percentages. So maybe like 2% of people worked from home pre-pandemic and now it's like 20 to 30 or something like that. Still not right. anywhere close to everybody, but it's a lot. And certainly if you're in a social circle where most people are office workers, like most of your friends probably work from home, right? So I think that we are past the inflection point in growth, right? Where it probably will continue to spread and grow. And, and I think for the reasons we talked about, like if you're applying for jobs and one is remote and the other forces you to come into a building in Chicago every day, like which one are you going to choose? Right? Like, yeah. and, and people have even said that they're willing to take pay cuts to work remotely. Um, you know, I, most people don't explicitly want to take a pay cut, but if, for example, you're choosing between two options, you know, the premium, value of a remote situation is significant, right? The Chicago office workplace would have to pay you a lot more to make that worth your while. So I think that just sort of like competitive nature of different firms, uh, you know, trying different things, getting better at different techniques, right? Um, will ultimately show that at least for some industries and some types of jobs and some types of work, like you can do remote and be equally as good, if not better, and it generally is going to be cheaper for the company in a lot of ways, less real estate costs, you know, and, you know, those are clearly not offset by like the cost of Zoom, which is much less than the cost of a nice office building and just more, m- more access to high quality workers who are going to be happier, you know, at the company because of the, the remote nature. That being said, you know, there's also a ceiling, right? Because there really are a bunch of jobs that are, that require a physical presence. So doctors you're never going to get to a place where you have 75% of people working from home because that would just be, you know, essentially a physical impossibility for a big percentage of jobs, right? Everything from doctors to 
you know, people who work at, uh, you know, restaurants and stores, right? So, you know, it's all across the income spectrum, all across the education spectrum. Like there are always going to be physical in-person jobs. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I think I enjoy interacting with people in person, but also because we do web development, we are fortunate to be able to, you know, have a team that is spread around, you know, North America, as opposed to just being in Denver, for example. And I think that that gives us more opportunities. Um, it gives us the ability to, you know, improve the lives of more employees and their families and their, and their loved ones. Right. So I think it's, you know, great for us, obviously, if you're in a position where you're thinking about like, should my staff be remote or not? Like I would say, try it and get good at it. And, and, but also recognize that there are a lot of different skill sets at play that you might not have uh, needed to get good at in a, in a physical office space. Yeah. I, I agree with you about all that stuff. None of that sounds quite to me like the lunge that COVID was. It's more like uh, reasonable growth. I agree. Uh, through experience. And I think what's going to change is that because we are now growing from a higher, ex a higher starting point, like a, like a, you know, Growing 1% per year if you're starting at 20% is a big difference than growing 1% year, 1% per year if you're starting from 1%, right? So I think because we have like sort of right. a critical mass yep. now, it will seem like there is more growth, even if the rate doesn't really change. But we're also going to bump into that ceiling of like, there's just only so many jobs that can be converted. Um, that being said, like, I think a, a good example of one that has changed a lot is like real estate. So, you know, when I bought my first house 12 years ago, we had to like go to a physical place and sign a bunch of paper, right? Oh, yeah. And it took like three hours, you know, and it was, yeah. uh, you know, boring and, and weird. But now it's all online. And like we refinanced our mortgage during COVID and, you know, we did it all online. Somebody came to our house wearing a mask and like notarized two documents and left, you know, and it was like, this no longer needs to be an in-person thing. Like you could... And there are people who are buying houses sight unseen and filling out all the paperwork on the internet now, right? And obviously, I wouldn't do that if I didn't have to. I'd rather, you know, go kick the tires of the of the house physically. But all of that kind of like administrative stuff that really was done with reams of paper in offices, uh, even a few years ago, clearly doesn't require that anymore. So that's a good example of like one of those jobs where it was convertible, even though nobody was really doing it online before the pandemic. Um, they sort of rapidly figured it out. So I think there is space for that kind of stuff. And, you know, online ordering from stores is, is a similar idea. But at the same time, there's a lot of jobs where people need or want to be physically in a place. So that's not going to go away. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you can't remotify every single job. And, and I don't think that would be good for us to, to do that. But we are really lucky to be in an industry where a lot of people are remote. And it's... Uh, widely accepted. And I would even say that um, being remote already when the pandemic started was kind of a big benefit for us because there was way less learning curve. And since everyone was suddenly remote, there was nobody competing with me who had like the fancy downtown office because that was irrelevant, right? So weirdly, like it actually made the companies that were already remote seem more prestigious, right? Whereas in the past, there was definitely this vibe of like, well, where's your office? Oh, you don't have one. That's weird, you know? Um, like I would definitely yeah. get that from clients from time to time. And now we never get that because everybody thinks it's cool 
that we're remote and, and wants to know how we do it. So that that's been a big change, but you know, ultimately we just kind of got lucky that we were positioned for something that suddenly happened. Um, you know, and that wasn't anything that we predicted. It was just like, Hey, this is how we like to do it. And then suddenly everyone was doing it that way. Yeah. The, the only thing I would like, I thought through that question myself and reflected back on that, uh, the thing we talked about with uh, there's less gas burned, the more people work from home. And it occurred to me that the government could offer tax incentives to companies to say, Hey, have more people stay at home in order to reduce carbon burn. Yeah, and totally. I, I don't know if that'll ever happen. I'm not an in, enough of an economist to know if it's even a good idea. But it's the sort of thing that would abruptly change it, I think. And where that stuff gets tricky is like the city wants people to buy lunch in the in the city. So they actually, in some ways, benefit from the presence uh, yeah. of office workers, right? Because now you've got sales tax and you've got property taxes on those cafes and stuff like that. So it's a tricky balance between like, and this is true of all environmental and, and transportation and housing stuff, right? There's this tricky balance between like, we sort of make money off of action taking place in the city through taxes, but we yep. also want less congestion and want less pollution, right? So, but I agree with you. There, there's definitely something there. And I think remote work definitely has, I actually don't know if it's actually changed driving and traffic patterns in a, in a positive direction, but there's certainly an opportunity there to think about like, what are those like side effects that seem like not directly related, but actually, you know, the number of people going to an office every day makes a big difference towards those different numbers. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions I had. Excellent. Well, we'll keep working. We'll keep working remotely for now until we find a better <laughs> way to do things. Uh, and it is always yeah. a pleasure to talk to you and I look forward to the next time. Yeah, me too. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode. Press the Issue is a production of Master WP, produced by Ali Nimmons, hosted, edited, and musically supervised by Monet Davenport, and mixed and mastered by Tehran Bullock. Please visit masterwp.com slash press the issue to find more episodes. Subscribe to our newsletter for more WordPress news at masterwp.com.